We come to the point in our service where we have the opportunity to hear from the living Word of God, to hear from our Savior. Today our scriptures come from Psalms chapter 46. In fact, it's the entire chapter of 46, verses 1 through 11. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of our Lord, how he has brought desolation on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Almighty God, we do thank you so much that you have given us this provision, these this daily bread that you provided for us, this financial, these financial gifts that have come by your fatherly hand. We praise you and we give you all the glory. And now, Father, as we share these gifts for the advancement of your kingdom, we ask that you would use them to bring glory to your name in Cordova, in Tennessee, in this country, and throughout the world. And, Father, even now as we come before your word, we ask that you would glorify yourself. Hallow your name by your Spirit at work in us this morning. Give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to see your grace. And renew us by it. We pray All these things, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. A friend of mine recently went to a very prestigious school, a very academically rigorous program where he said he spent some of the very hardest years of his life. There was no way you could do all the work that the professors required you to do. He'd say you begin a semester and you've got all these papers to write. You've got all these exams to take, books to read, homeworks to do, projects to do, all these deadlines to meet. And it felt like this mountain of responsibilities was placed right on his shoulders. Not to mention his family and his work life. And and with all these pressures with life feeling like it was beating him down. He just got so stressed out that one semester he just quit. He he couldn't handle it, and he practically stopped working. And instead, he would come in at night and numb himself with hours of TV and beer. And he didn't turn his papers in, He failed his classes, wasted 
a couple thousand dollars. Sometimes life can feel like it is beating you down. Whether it's the pressures of work, school, family responsibilities, or financial difficulties, health problems, being sinned against, what's going on in our nation, what's happening to your kids. Whatever the painful circumstances that we're facing, like my friend, we are reacting to it somehow. And usually in ways, in unhealthy ways, right, that are, that are only making matters worse. And if left to ourselves, we'll just keep spiraling down and spiraling down. But God doesn't leave us to ourselves. He, he comes to us in His Word and He shows us the way to live in the midst of the hardships and the troubles of life. And so we're going to see this morning in Psalm 46, we're going to see three things. The fear in our trouble, the false refuge in our trouble, and the true refuge in our trouble. So first, the fear in our trouble. The context of this passage is that the people of God are, in verse 1, in trouble. God realizes and speaks to the fact that you and I are going to face trouble. Challenging, threatening situations in this life where, he says in verses 2 and 3, it seems as though our life is being shaken by an earthquake or, or a storm. The earth is giving way. The storm is raging. Water's roaring and foaming at us. And what's the first thing you can imagine we're going to be tempted to in that situation? What, what do you think our struggle is going to be? He, he tells us in verse 2, it's fear. Like my friend, when the trying, painful circumstances of life are just piling on top of us, we get stressed out, don't we? Fearful. Worried. A couple years ago, I started getting these really bad headaches. Just kind of all-day, chronic, uh, background pain. And it was really hard to get anything accomplished, to, to be able to think, to prepare Bible study, or even enjoy hanging out with folks when it's kind of always there in the background uh, nagging you. And it became this burden, you know, how am I going to do my work? What's wrong with me? Is this ever going to go away? And a friend, I'm sure out of the best intentions, said, well, you know, it could be spinal meningitis. And, you know, I probably shouldn't have, but I googled it, and I found out it's always a bad thing to do in these situations. I found out that spinal meningitis will kill you. It, and it does all these horrible things to you. And sure enough, one of the symptoms is headaches. And it just got this grip on me. I mean, I'm thinking, I'm thinking about it when I wake up in the morning, when I go to bed at night. It's what I'm talking to my wife, Jane Gray, about at the dinner table. And... I'm thinking, what, what if I have this? I'm going to die. What's going to happen to Jane Grey? And, or what if it doesn't kill me? And then 
I get handicapped and, and, I, and we end up on the streets and we're in poverty and my mind's just racing and racing. A storm had come into my life. And it was tying me all up in knots of fear. What are the storms that are coming at you right now? That, that make you feel like life is beating you down? That tie you all up in knots of anxiety? It, it could be your job responsibilities. Work stress. How about health issues? Those are things that, that can just chew at you. Money problems. How are we going to pay all these bills? We've got all this debt. What's going to happen to the stock market? What should we invest in? Conflicts in your family. Conflicts at your church, at work, with your neighbor. Concerns about loved ones. Concerns about where they are spiritually. Those will consume you. Or, like my spinal meningitis that I thought that I had. Uh, some storms are, are threats. It's the threat of something bad that could happen to you. For example, the threat of disapproval. Are they going to like me? Are they going to think I'm smart or cool or funny? It, that is a fear that can rule your life. How about the, the storm of the threat of failure? That, that is a pain. A, a pain that some of us fear more than death itself. It, it, and it drives us to succeed, right? It, it drives us and it, it can run us into the ground. The earth is giving way. The hurricane is roaring and foaming at us. And so you and I are living in fear. Because we don't have verse 1. Because God is not our refuge. A refuge is a shelter or a protection from danger. If you were in a battle and you had this fortress that you could go run to and, and climb inside that would guard you from the troubles of, of all the arrows flying at you, so, so that you can escape the pain, that is, a, that is a refuge. And if you're safely protected in the refuge walls, then, as verse 2 says, then we will not fear. Though the earth gives way, though the arrows are flying at us. But that's not where we are. Because we hear this psalm talking about how God is this mighty fortress, He's a refuge. And it, it, it sounds nice, and good, doesn't it? But that's not my experience. Because, really, it, it feels like God is letting a lot of arrows of trouble hit me. That all these kinds of pains, He's, he's allowing them into my life, and it feels like He's not really protecting me at all sometimes. Like He doesn't really care. So, God, as refuge and fortress... That's just not real to us. It feels like we're out here in a dangerous world all alone. With the arrows flying at us. And so we begin to 
to see things that way. And when the storm comes into your life, you don't really take God into your consideration. It, it's just you and your spinal meningitis. You and your financial problems. You and the threat of disapproval with no real protection from its danger. So, of course, we're living in fear. But that's not all we do, because if you're stuck out there with, with the arrows flying past your head, you're going to run to something, right? You're going to find something to protect you. And this brings us to our second point this morning. In this passage, we see not only the fear in our trouble, but secondly, the false refuge in our trouble. The Canaanites, the, these neighbors of Israel, they had all of these various guys that they believed lived up on the mountains. And that up there was a river whose streams makes glad the, the dwelling place of the gods. And they looked to these gods to protect them, uh, to help them escape the hardships uh, like, like drought, attack, infertility, poverty, and so on. And throughout the Old Testament, what you see is the Lord warning His people, uh, telling the people of God over and over because they're so prone to, don't worship their gods. And that's what He's doing in this passage. It's a polemic. It's an argument where He's saying, don't look to the gods of the Canaanites for your refuge. Because, yes, there is a mountain, where God dwells. And there is a river whose streams make glad His dwelling place, He says in verse 4. There is a God who will be your fortress and your protector, whom you can run to to escape the storm. But He is the God of Jacob. He's the God of the Bible. See, you and I, even as the people of God, are constantly trying to find something to run to, uh, to that, that will be our help in trouble and that will help us escape the pain. So much so that we've coined terms for this today. Escapism. Self-medication. Whatever we call it, it's false refuge. Like my friend at the prestigious school, we find ourselves in the middle of the storm. The waves are beating us down. So we do something like numb ourselves with hours of TV or beer. So, so we can escape the waves for a little while. The great theologian, Kenny Chesney, uh, he understands this about human beings. He's a country singer, as you know. And uh, in his song, Reality, he says that we look to all sorts of things for protection from the storm. He says, for me, it's a beach bar. Or on a boat underneath the stars. Or with my band up on stage. For a while, everything is okay. For some, it's a fast car, moonshine in a mason jar. And everybody has their way somehow to escape reality. Yes, sometimes life ain't all that it's cracked up to be, 
So let's take a chance and live this fantasy. Because everybody needs to break free from reality. I'm not done yet. Yeah, some days it's a bummer. We need a rock and roll show in the summer to let the music take us away. Take our minds to a better place where we feel that sense of freedom. Leave our worries behind. We don't need them. All we need is a sunny day and an old tailgate and we'll escape reality. If everybody has their way, what's your way of escaping the pains of reality? When life is hard, a bummer, not all it's cracked up to be. What is it that you look to that even just for a little while makes everything okay? That, that you can, that it, it helps you to leave all your worries behind. Maybe at some point you've ever found yourself, like I have, sitting down, watching TV, and then you realize you ate the entire bag of Doritos. And I'm talking about, like, you know, the family size, the big bag of Doritos. That's not normal. Okay, what's going on there? Or I know a teenage girl whose mother is kind of perfectionistic and critical of her, and uh, the girls in the cheerleader clique make fun of her. So she often will buy a a pound-and-a-half bag of Reese's Pieces. And she knows that she's going to throw it up afterwards because she doesn't want to be fat. But she will eat the whole thing in one sitting, because for that moment, the, the feel-good of sweets, it, it allows her to just get away from the pressures of her mom, and it gives her this kind of temporary self-forgetfulness of the cruelties of teenage life. She and I and you, we are seeking refuge to help us escape the stresses and the pains of reality to drown away our troubles. To to help us wind down. To help us veg out. Right? It, It could be alcohol, ice cream, Xbox, shopping, ESPN, the newspaper, tailgating, music, a fast car, a boat in the lake, a clothing catalog, a book, blogs, Facebook, vacuuming, sex, cooking, exercising, when we are in the middle of the storm and we're not trusting that that God is being our refuge as He promises, we're going to look to something. Good things, right? These are good things that we elevate to the status of refuge. To, to be our God who protects me from the pain. But if you look to anything besides the living God, it will only enslave you. It will be a harsh taskmaster that will bring you into, into further danger and into more trouble. 
The only safe place that you and I can turn in the middle of the storm is to the God of Jacob. This brings us to our final point this morning. In this passage, we see not only the fear in our trouble, the false refuge in our trouble, but finally, the true refuge in our trouble. The historical background for this psalm is found in 2 Kings 18 to 19, where the city of God that we see here in verse 4, Jerusalem, is in trouble. The Assyrians are attacking Jerusalem. But this is no ordinary attack because God himself has sent the Assyrians to attack Jerusalem. As the, God himself has sent them as his arm of judgment to, to bring his judgment on the people of Israel. Because 2 Kings 18 says they transgressed his covenant. In the old covenant, if you obey then God will be with you in favor and blessing and steadfast love. But if you transgress the covenant, especially by worshiping Canaanite gods, then God won't be with you. He'll be against you. He will forsake you, and He will bring judgment on you by kicking you out of the promised land. And so, they're sitting here in the city of God, waiting as the Assyrians march toward them, as the judgment of God is marching toward them. And this was meant to be a picture of of the final judgment day, as verses 8 to 11 in our passage show us, when one day God would bring the desolation of, of His wrath and fire down on covenant breakers. And so... Make wars cease, as Isaiah 2 prophesies. That, that at the end, he would bring the end of all conflict and sin and brokenness in the world. But the problem is that you and I are, are like the Israelites. We are covenant breakers, transgressors, who have elevated all these other things as gods and and worship them as our refuge. And so, we deserve for God to be against us. And, and for His judgment to fall upon us. But what is it that the Lord does to the city of God in Second Kings 18-19? to As the Assyrians attacked, the Israelites prayed, Lord, save us, Lord, have mercy upon us. And he did. 2 Kings says that the Lord was with them. Showed them favor, showed them his love. And so, what did he do? He acted as their refuge. He protected them from his judgment. And Psalm 46 is a response of gratitude to this deliverance. God is our refuge. The Lord of hosts is with us. See, if you are a Christian, if you've cried out to the Lord to save you and to show you mercy, then God is with you. How how could that be? How could God save us if we have transgressed the covenant and deserve judgment? The answer is, 
is that God can be with you in blessing and favor and steadfast love because on the cross, God was against Jesus. He took the final judgment day wrath of God on the cross. He was forsaken so that you would never be. God Himself was your your fortress wall wrapped around you, protecting you from the arrows of, of God's fiery judgment by bearing it Himself. He was your refuge from the ultimate trouble. You may have seen about two years ago in the news about Don and Bethany Lansaw, this 26-year-old married couple in Joplin, Missouri. They were sitting in their house watching TV when the storm hit Joplin. And they looked out the window and they saw this tornado barreling right toward their house. They didn't have a storm cellar, so Bethany took cover in the bathtub. And Don threw his body over hers to shield her. The tornado demolished their house. And after it passed, Bethany got out of the bathtub without a scratch on her body. And she found that as Don covered her, he was hit by debris and took a puncture wound to the back and died. And as the interviewer was talking with her about this, about how she was processing all of this, she said, Don just had so much love in his heart for me. He got on top of me to take the brunt of it. He's my hero. When you see that the storm, the storm of God's judgment was falling fast upon you, but that the Son of God Himself threw Himself over you to protect you, to cover you from the storm, you will see that this is a God who, who from the depths of His heart loves you, would do anything for you. He would not spare even Himself to protect you from the ultimate storm. So you can know you can trust Him when He says He's your refuge in the smaller storms. That that He must be taking care of you even when it doesn't feel like it, even when it feels like He's bringing all this pain into your life. You can trust that He is being your fortress. Even then, using these pains today to, to shield you from some greater pain tomorrow. Elizabeth Elliot, I once heard, was uh, visiting this farm in northern Wales. And these farmers had a lot of sheep, and one thing that they had to do uh, every year was they had to put these sheep into this vat of antiseptic because otherwise they would literally be eaten alive by parasites and stuff. And Elizabeth Elliot saw this and she described it, uh, saying, One by one, the shepherd seized the animals 
They would struggle to climb out the side, and Mac the sheepdog would snarl and snap at their faces to force them back under. They tried to climb the ramp on the far end, but the shepherd would catch them, spin them around, force them under again, holding them, ears, eyes, nose, submerged. When I, when I heard that story, I think, if I was one of those sheep, I would be thinking, you know, why, why are you doing this to me? Do you hate me? Why are you letting this? I'd be looking at the shepherd like, why are you? I'm drowning. I'm dying here. Why are, why are you not protecting me from this? But what I would not understand, because I'm a sheep, is that the shepherd is actually, he's actually taking care of me, isn't he? He's, he is protecting me from an even worse pain because if I don't go under, I'm going to die. He's loving me. You know, you and I are, are creatures. We, we cannot understand all the details of why our Creator would bring this or that storm into our lives when it feels like I'm drowning, I, I'm, it's, you're killing me. It feels like life is beating you down. But we can know. And if you are one of God's sheep, you do know that whatever He is doing, the Good Shepherd must be loving you. That He's the Good Shepherd who laid down His life for you, laid down His life for the sheep who shielded you from the storm of all storms. So we can know that we can, we can trust Him in this storm that I'm going through right now, that He is loving me, He is protecting me from something worse. He is being my refuge just as He promised. We're, so, so that we're not left... To ourselves, we're not out here alone in a dangerous world with all the arrows flying at us. We have a fortress. And so we don't need to be so fearful and stressed out and filled with anxiety. We can sit there in the middle of the storm and be still and know that I God. Your shield. And so we don't have to look for some other shield and some other refuge to, to help us escape the pain in our lives. This refuge helps us escape the very worst pain. How much more can we look to Him in the smaller pains of our life, knowing that He is present and He is at work, that, that He's up to something. He's up to something good using these pains to help us escape some unseen danger that would eat away at us spiritually, using it, using it to shield us from something worse and to refine us and make us into something better. As the old hymn says, When through the deep waters I call thee to go, the rivers of sorrow shall not overflow. 
For I will be with thee thy troubles to bless, and sanctify to thee thy deepest distress. When through fiery trials thy pathway shall lie, my grace, all sufficient, shall be thy supply. The flame shall not hurt thee, I only design, thy dross to consume and thy gold to refine. The soul that on Jesus hath leaned for repose, I will not, I will not desert to his foes. That soul, though all hell should endeavor to shake, I'll never, no never, no never forsake. You can look to that God as your refuge. In your pain and in your troubles, run to Him. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, our mighty fortress, O God, You truly have protected us from the trouble of all troubles. Would you so melt our hearts at at the sight of this great sacrifice, at, at the sight of your love for us, that we would know you are truly our refuge, that therefore we will not, we would not fear though the earth gives way, that we would not look for any other false refuge, but trust in your good and caring and loving purposes for us as our good shepherd. We pray in the name of our ultimate refuge, Jesus Christ. Amen.